Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Ah, you may be seated. Welcome, friends. My name is Micah. I am one of the pastors here at Awaken. So glad that you're with us. Um, want to give you some updates on some things coming up. But first, if you're new, um, special welcome to you. It's a big deal to come to a church for the first time. So uh, we hope that you feel welcome. And uh, if you'd like, we'd love to know that you are here. So in the seat pockets in front of you there or online, you can click the I'm new button on our homepage. That'll lead you to a, a form you can fill out. Let us know that you are with us and somebody from our team will reach out and invite you to a beverage of your choice. Um, if you brought tithes or offerings, there's a number of ways to give to the church, a few uh, on the screen behind me, but old school classic, uh, there are black boxes at the exits, you can put those in there, and we would be grateful for those. Um, Christmas is upon us, as you know, uh, our Christmas gatherings are as follows, Christmas Eve will be here at 2 and 4, both of those gatherings are identical, uh, there's nursery available for the young ones. Everybody else is with us. Candlelight at both hours, and you get to decide if your kids get candles that day. So we'll trust that you'll be uh, appropriate in handing those out. There are some of those little, um, you know, battery ones that we've got in the back too. So everybody gets a light, just not ones that can ruin our life. <laughs> okay. Uh, so two and four. No Christmas, sir. No, no Christmas. No service on Christmas Day. So Christmas the 25th. There will be no gathering here. And then one hour at 4 p.m. on January the 1st. We'll have an old school potluck. So bring a dish to share. Um, Super low key. Lots of fun for the kiddos running around. Um, In the new year, we have uh, a couple of things happening. One I want to let you know about. So some of you have been around when we've done learning labs in the past. Kind of a, a deep dive into a particular topic. And we have a really exciting one coming up in January. So the 8th. 15th, 22nd, 29th. My all-time favorite professor from seminary, a guy named Dr. Joel Lawrence, will be with us for those four weeks. And he's doing a a learning lab called Sabbath Politics. Um, I'll just read like the last sentence of his description. He said, we'll build a positive vision of the church's political mission, a vision that's engaged with the world, but not on the terms set by human political ideology. So it's a wrestling with what does it mean to live in this world as political people, but as also um, as citizens of a, of a different kind of kingdom. So we'll kind of work through that. And this will be like, you know, 301 kind of level class. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, it's going to be awesome. So you can sign up online for that. We have a Christmas concert coming up uh, the 17th. That's next Saturday night, friends. $10 for those tickets. It's going to be great. Tides of Winter will be with us. And then last but not least, a couple of collections we're doing during Advent. Ain Da Young is one of our missional partners, and they are uh, accepting full-size sheets and comforters and pillows for some of their um, housing that they offer for indigenous youth and families in, the, in St. Paul. And then um, Advent meals, or, or just meals in general, um, we stock in the freezer, and those go out to folks in the church. So if you want to make a meal, um, we will freeze that and give it to somebody who needs it. Sound good? Oh, also, related to Ain Da Young, I forgot to say, um, we are going to show this last week, but we had the screen bit. Um, one of our uh, folks, uh, Naomi Zupfer, went to one of Ain Da Young's um, sites, and this is in a de-escalation room that they have, and so she painted a mural. Um, if you remember, at, a, a while back, there was an opportunity to volunteer, and so she did that, and that's the, the product of it. So um, your work and our work is extending out into the world, like a wave crashing through. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but... <laughs> Wanted to show you that. So, um, 
I'm going to invite you to stand and greet those around you, pass the Christmas piece around, and then we will in, uh, introduce our Advent artist. Thank you, Vanessa. One of the things I love about art is, you know, I speak words and we read words and um, they're important, maybe even privileged in our culture, but art uh, has this way around the cognitive and the written word. Um, in fact, like a third of the Bible is not really interested in communicating content to you. I don't know if you know this or not, but like one third of the Bible is poetic. And poetry doesn't mean to like deliver content as much as it does to evoke something in you, to like make something happen in your soul or in your mind. Um, so this morning we're going to look at Zachariah's song. Um, so I'll invite Alan if you would come. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, verses 67 to 80. I'll invite you to stand if you're able. And in, in light of this, that scripture and especially poetry and song is intended to evoke something in you, I would invite you to close your eyes and imagine the words that you're hearing. Feel them, see them in your mind's eye. So Luke 1, 67 to 80. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show most mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to the, our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of God by which the risen, rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in the spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Pray with me. God, this morning we gather for all kinds of different reasons with all kinds of different things in our hearts and minds and what we've carried and brought here, what we might anticipate or hope for, what we might mourn or grieve. Um, and I'm grateful that somehow uh, when we do, everything belongs here. That you find us, you, um, you reveal yourself. It's in your heart to show us who you are. And so maybe more than anything, I pray that that would happen today, that that would again happen, that you would reveal, speak, prompt, prod, invite, include, gather us, um, the gathered. We pray this in the strong name of Christ and by the power of the Spirit. And the church said together, amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so as we begin, a little bit of background. Uh, who is Zachariah? This is, of course, the husband of Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth, like many women in Scripture, was barren, was unable to have children for a very long time. Um, Zechariah was a priest, so he was from the line of Levi, uh, the priests of Israel. 
and uh, a, he was one of about 18,000 at the time when uh, he would have been there, which means that he knows Torah. This guy knows Torah and the writings and the prophets. He is familiar with um, the long hopes and dreams held by Israel. He would have known that Yahweh would one day return to Zion and bring salvation through the restoration of Israel. That's Zechariah chapter 8. He would know that God had made a promise to Abram in Genesis chapter 12. He would know that there would be a prophet who would come like Moses from Deuteronomy chapter 18. He would know that a king from the line of David would come and would rule and on the throne forever, Isaiah chapter 11. He would know that for those walking in darkness and who have seen uh, this great distress, that there, a light has dawned, Isaiah chapter 9. Right? These are just a collection of the hopes and dreams of Israel in Scripture, and Zechariah would have been familiar with them. These would have been his hopes and dreams as a priest in the temple. So imagine like an old man, you know, who's gathering the little ones, the kids around in the temple, and he's telling them these stories, reminding them, like hoping to instill in them a, a memory of the things that his grandparents instilled in him, hoping he wouldn't forget. Do you guys remember the movie Iron Will? Yeah? Okay, all right. So there's this great movie. It's a Disney. It's a classic. It's about a kid who enters this dog sled race from Alaska to Minnesota. Como Park, actually, is where it ends. And so as the story go, uh, goes on, the, um, no one thinks he's going to make it. All the contestants think he's going to die. And um, uh, much to their chagrin and to the surprise of all the people who are following this story, he's, like, he's making it, and he's actually leading the race at times. And so back in the day, you know, news would go out by the wire. You know, they'd get like news uh, uh, reports or on the radio, like, Iron Will, he's, he's, he's leading, he's doing this, he's doing that. And so, like, anticipation is growing. People are excited about the Cinderella story known as Iron Will. And so they, they, they've determined that they will arrive at Como Park at a particular day, and so everybody gathers around. They're there, they're hoping, they're waiting. And so, like, the sun hasn't come up yet, and everybody's sort of anticipating what's going to happen that day. And then along, off in the distance, you hear, like, the, the, you start the faint barking of dogs and everybody's like getting ready for this moment and then around the corner comes iron will that's this moment for Zachariah right that's pretty good that's pretty good that's a classic illustration friends what you want to do is tell a story that illustrates a biblical notion or point but in all seriousness like that's the anticipation of this moment for Zachariah and, and for Luke like something that we've been waiting for is coming, and it's here, and it's now. Um, how does Zechariah get to this point where he utters these words, right? He is a priest, again. He's in the temple on, on his day that he would gone, gone up to, the, to Zion to serve to Jerusalem, to serve in the temple. He's lighting the sort of customary incense, and he's visited by an angel, Gabriel. You can read this earlier in chapter 1. And the angel Gabriel tells Zechariah, your wife, Elizabeth, will have a son and you, you will name him John. You've heard this story before, right? Zechariah laughs. He doesn't think this is going to happen. And God's like, we've done this before and I'm not playing this game. So <laughs> Zechariah, he can't speak for 40, day, 40 weeks. He's sort of made, uh, made unable to speak because he doubted what the angel had told him. So for 40 weeks, he's unable to speak. Almost as if Zechariah experiences what Israel experienced in the desert for 40 years. Many believe that God had stopped speaking um, for 400 years, and now it's this bursting forth in song and celebration. God's doing a new thing among them. 
And so John is born, all the aunties gather around, and Elizabeth says his name's going to be John, and everyone's kind of like, well, there's no John in our family, so that seems a little odd. And Zechariah gets out his etch-a-sketch, and he writes, his name will be John. And then his tongue is loosed, and he says, praise be to the Lord, in Latin, benedictus, which is the name of this song. So welcome to Advent. This is week three. We're looking at the Canticles of Luke in chapters one and two. We've looked at the Magnificat a couple of weeks ago, Simeon's song last week, uh, Zachariah's song this week, and the Angel's song next week. So in our time remaining this morning, I'd like to make two observations about Zachariah's song, and then I'd like to uh, f- close with uh, a song and a prayer. So uh, the first observation I want to make about this, I would say it this way, that past tense equals faith in a certain future. What's fascinating about Zechariah's song is you can split it into two parts. And the first part is all in past tense. In Greek, this is the aorist tense. In uh, Hebrew, it's called the the prophetic perfect. And it's essentially uh, the idea that he's speaking about a future event, so something that hasn't happened as if it's in the past, as if it's already happened. So Zechariah is speaking about the fulfillment of the promises of God that God had made to Israel that included the redemption of his people, right? A horn of salvation from the house of David. Salvation from the enemies of Israel and this covenant promise that he's made to Abraham. And it's all couched in this Exodus language. How do you speak about future events as if they've already happened? Like, what's required for Zechariah to speak in such confident terms? Because everything he's saying, he's talking about, has yet to happen. God hasn't redeemed Israel. A horn of salvation has not been risen up, right? The covenant promise to Abram has not been fulfilled. All of these things haven't happened, but he's speaking as if they have. So how do you speak about future events as if they have already happened? In Scripture, we call this faith. Hebrews chapter 11 says that faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we don't see. So question for you this morning. What in your life can you speak about in these terms? Like where you're talking about future events as if they've, they've already happened. They're certain. Another way to say it is what do you have faith in? Is this at least in part what it means to be a person of faith in Jesus? Where we can speak about the healing of the nations and the restoring of, and the redemption and reconciliation of what God has made good as if it's a certain future. It hasn't happened yet. Like you watched the news last night, I, I assume, or at least in the last month, right? The world's still a mess. But how do we speak about it as if it's going to happen, as if it's a certain future? This is called faith. Where we believe something is true about the future, even though it may not be true right now. Where we trust that God is who God said he was. And revealed to us in Jesus. And we place our faith in him. I recognize, I mentioned in the prayers I began, that like there's, there's always so many things in this room when we gather. right? There's belief and faith. And there's unbelief and doubt and wonder. And maybe even skepticism. There's gratitude for the church and the witness of God's people and there's 
harm and hurt and wounds from that witness. So it's all here, and I recognize that. But can I invite you this morning, this Advent, this Christmas season, to maybe, if there is a sense of harm or hurt or skepticism or doubt or questions about, maybe loosen your grip on that for a moment, for maybe a couple of weeks out of the year. And entertain the possibility, entertain the the wonder that Jesus, this promise that is fulfilled, that Zechariah is speaking about, that John would come and he would be the forerunner of this person named Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, all of these things allow us to speak about a future as if it's already happened, as if it's certain because of who we know God to be revealed to us in Jesus. Would you Maybe entertain that possibility this morning. Maybe put your faith in that idea. And see how it goes. I always say that if something's true, it'll bear good fruit. So if I'm just like, had a few too many last night or smoked one this morning, right? And I'm kind of like out there and all this is not really true. It's hogwash. It's not worth your time. If you were to try it and put it on and live in it for a bit, there would be no fruit. You, you, would, you would recognize that I'm a liar and that none of this is true. But if it is, I wonder if maybe you might experience some of the fruit of that faith. This is what Luke is trying to tell us. This is what Zechariah is telling us. And this is what Luke is saying about this Jesus story. Zechariah's song makes references to this story in the Psalms and, and references to Scripture that any Jew of his day would know And it rests on two pillars of Israel's history. So the first observation I want to make is this this idea of faith, right? Speaking about a future as if it's certain. The second is that Zechariah's prayer rests on these two pillars of the story in Israel, which is the Exodus and the story of David. So a little bit of Old Testament, if you're not familiar. Luke is a brilliant writer, and he's weaving together this tapestry and taking these threads to tell a story, to say something. And that is that God, in and through this action of of John being born and then in Jesus, is working out this story of the forgiveness of sin, the forgiveness of Israel, and the restoration of Israel, and something larger than that, the redemption of, the restoration of, All things, everything, the whole cosmos. Zechariah uses the Exodus language in verse 74. We we hear this. He says, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Does anybody remember what Moses said to Pharaoh when when he went to him in Egypt? This is a great junior high song. You should know this. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh baby. That's what he said, oh baby. Let my people go, right? Let my people go so that we may worship him in the wilderness, right? Let my people go so that we can worship him in the wilderness. And this is what Zechariah is saying that the coming of Jesus is going to do, right? Rescue us from the hand of our enemies so that we may serve God, love God without fear. So he's tapping into this Exodus story that if you, had heard, if, you, if you were a Jew in Zechariah's day, you would know what he's talking about. That this is, this is coming to, to happen here. This is, this is coming true in our hearing, in our midst. And then he talks about this Davidic, this covenant promise that a Messiah, a Savior, would come from a particular house, a particular line, the line of David. 
He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. So Zechariah is like tapping into all these stories of the past. Jeremiah 31, that God would write a new covenant on the hearts of the people. Isaiah chapter 11, Isaiah chapter 9, all these things. And Zechariah and Luke's retelling of this, it's local. Like it's for the people who would have heard it then. And it's global. It's still happening here and now. It's religious, but it's also political. N.T. Wright says, Luke is preparing us to see that God, in fulfilling the great promises of the Old Testament, is going beyond a merely this-worldly salvation and opening a door to a whole new world in which sin and death themselves will be dealt with. Luke is presenting this material after the fact, and he's saying there's a new exodus and a new king for a new cosmos. Why does this matter? Luke's story and Zechariah's song and prayer were for a people 2,000 years ago in a particular setting, in a context, which is what he's tapping into. And I want to remind you that that happened, I believe, and it is happening. This story of Advent and Christmas, the wonder of it is that, yeah, we look back and we're like, man, if, even if you don't, like, you're not a Jesus follower, you could, like, appreciate the literary fact of all these things that are happening. Like, wow, that's kind of cool. And, I would argue, like, this is still an invitation today for you, for me, right here, right now. Like, is there anybody who needs to be let out of darkness? Is there anybody who needs to be delivered from something? Who feels like they may need a little liberation? Is there anybody who feels enslaved to something that they can't get out of or can't get away from? Is there anyone who's lost hope in the government of this world? Anybody out there on that one? Anyone who's fed up with the politics of our day? Who, like, who, who just desperately wants like, a, new, a new rule, a new, a new way of doing things? That word that happened 2,000 years ago mattered then and it matters now. Luke is arguing that this moment, this song, this son, this event has an answer to those questions. And I would like to submit to you today that it has an answer to these questions today for us. So who or what are you placing your faith in? For a future that includes hope and healing and restoration. A new rule. Luke's wanting you to wrestle with these questions by the way he's telling your story because he's convinced that in this moment, a word has been spoken that is still ringing out today. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. They rang out and said, God is not dead. So as we close this morning, I want to close with the second half of Zechariah's song, which is essentially a father's prayer, a song, but a prayer for his son, he says this, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of God. This is, he's speaking this about his son. By which the rising sun will come from, to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. This is a father's heart that has welled up with words to speak over his son. Now, I don't know how many of you are parents in the room, but 
For, I wonder if, if you're anything like me where you read this and you remember this moment or these moments where these beings came into the world and you had hopes and dreams for them. Maybe you even prayed them over them. You thought about them and you wondered, like, who might they be and what kind of impact will they have on the world? And maybe you wrote some of those things down or maybe you spoke them over them. And the beauty and the wonder and the difficulty of raising other humans (laughs) is that they may or may not be what you thought they would be. And their lives may or may not look like you thought they would look. And they may or may not make choices that you would hope that they might make. And there is a wrestling with and a tension and a struggle in that. That's that's what we hear in this prayer. These words that Zechariah prays over his son. For part of our Advent art series, one of our artists has written a song based on this prayer, um, Daniel Greco, um, and he is on tour right now, so he can't be here today to perform it, but we've recorded it for you, so I'd like you to listen to that um, as we close. The Song of Zechariah. It's Zechariah prophesying these words over his son, who is John the Baptist, who we know now for preparing the way for Jesus, for baptizing Jesus, and being sort of the forerunner for the Messiah. Well, like, what sort of a person was John? And how did that inform the relationship that he had with his parents? And especially his father, who spoke all these words, where does expectation fall in there? Like how much of that is the father's dreams of who his son might turn out to be versus who God actually made his son to be? For me as a gay person who's really had quite a long journey you know, of coming out and getting to a place of self-affirmation, a lot of us in the church were raised to believe that that's not something that you should affirm about yourself. And so you have a lot of people who affirmed you and gave you life, had hopes and beliefs for you that really, just by being yourself, you're completely letting them down. Uh, And you have to grapple with that end of things. That's where this song came from. And I really want to take it from the point of view is if I'm a parent and I'm speaking these words prophesying over my kid who God is telling me is going to be a really important puzzle piece, how much of this is my hopes and dreams for my kid versus how much of this is me giving these words freely without expectations? There's a lot of questions, I suppose, that are a part of it. Um, Probably more questions than answers. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, the Lord has come to his people and will scatter.
Prophesy him, him in or control his life, or does purpose and destiny pour a blessing and set him free? Are these dreams that I? for him just a life that I need from him could his purpose and destiny come to take him away from me I would like to invite us to just a time of silence as we close. Um, I don't know that there's any more I want to say, so um, join me if you would. God, as we take a moment um, just to be still and listen, um, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what it always does and be near, be present, find us. God, as we walk this journey of Advent through stillness and quiet darkness, as we wait for something to be formed, shaped, birthed in us, I pray for my friends this morning, for myself, that we would be tender and soft 
that our hearts would be maybe unguarded and our ears would be open to hear whatever you might want to say to us this year in this season. And I believe that you're good, that you're kind, you're compassionate, that you want good things for us. And so I pray those things over my friends and trust that that's where you lead. We're going to close with just one song this morning. So if you're able, I'd invite you to stand um, as we lift our voices. Usually uh, at this point in the gathering, I would offer a blessing, which is pretty common for pastors, something about the Lord blessing you and keeping you, lifting his face to shine upon you, being gracious to you, lifting up his countenance to you, giving you peace, something like that. (laughs) Um, But actually, I've written a a prayer uh, for you, from me, uh, one of your pastors. So I want to offer it to you this morning as my hope and prayer for you. Um, so if, you, uh, if you're willing, maybe it's too weird, you don't have to do it, but I would invite you just to hold out your hands and receive these words. The word bless in Hebrew is baruch, and it means to kneel. So there's something about receiving a blessing that includes our posture. Um, so this is my prayer for you. And you, my sons and daughters, will be called an outpost of God's kingdom. By the spirit living in you, you will prepare a way. You will hold the doors open for the weary and those making their way home so that they will remember from where it is that they've come from. And as sure as the sun rises in the east, Their brokenness will be mended, their hearts will be healed, and they will be made whole because of the tender mercy and care of our God. To those who have walked in darkness and despair, may they find in you a light, a light that drives away fear and guides them home. And may your feet wear the ancient path of peace so that in you, anyone watching will know that indeed God has come. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Grace and peace, my friends. Happy Advent. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.